when we look at uh, last week's gospel, which we were reflected upon and anticipated somewhat this week's gospel, the combination of the two, one right after the other, speaks to the spectacular, unbelievable debut that Jesus makes on the village of Capernaum and really begins his ministry. Some would suggest uh, that not all of the gospel accounts have a, a record of that, but some would suggest that perhaps Jesus' first miracle was at the wedding feast of Cana, where he changed the water into wine. But this, uh, from this, went to his selection of the fishermen brothers as his apostles. And, and then this very first day, with the people who did not know him. Maybe have caught a little bit of buzz, but he hadn't been performing miracles. He wasn't driving out demons. He wasn't healing the sick up to that point. And the first thing that captures their attention when he uh, comes to their synagogue is the authority of his teaching. We certainly have discovered that in our lives as we've listen to the words that he's spoken as we see the actions that he performs, the lessons that they give to us. But it says the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. You get a feeling with the scribes, the so-called leaders of the Jewish people, that they would quibble over things that were relatively unimportant. But the first stunning example of the power Jesus has, certainly that preaching was important, but he was able in a way that had to stun the people of that synagogue to drive out a demon. Demons were more common back then. And, and we know that uh, part of the fact that, that there are fewer exorcisms by far is because Jesus defeated the devil. When he resisted temptation all the way to his death on the cross, it was a defeat of the devil. And, and so uh, those who followed Jesus did not have to encounter anywhere near the number of demonic possessions that Jesus encountered. And of course, these demons, they know Jesus, don't they? We talked about that last week. He, they, uh, they shout right out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Right away, identifying who he is. Huh? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebu rebukes him. He doesn't need that uh, publicity, but he is he's bound to free the person who is possessed by the demon. And he says to him, quiet, come out of him. And after the unclean spirit convulses him, with a loud cry, it comes out. And that just adds to the aura of Jesus, that a new teaching with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And then we come to the gospel today on leaving the synagogue. This day that he drives the demons out to the astonishment of everyone, when he speaks with the authority he does, he comes to the home of Peter and Andrew, and uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And we, we have a hunch 
that she's sick unto death, very close to death, the fever that she has. And they tell him about her, and this becomes his first healing miracle of that spectacular opening day. He goes to her, he approaches her, grasps her hand, helps her up, and the fever not only leaves her, but Simon's mother-in-law does the thing that she does so well, hospitality. She begins to wait on them. And then it says, when it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The word had certainly gotten out about the, the, uh, the demon in the synagogue and about the healing of, of Peter's mother-in-law. And now there is just an incredible excitement in anyone who has a sick family member or someone that they feel may be possessed. And it says the whole town was gathered at the door. And steadily, over the course of many hours, Jesus cures many who were sick with various diseases, drives out many demons, doesn't permit them to speak, for they know him. And I'm sure to the point of utter exhaustion, Jesus does this healing, because we know from other examples that the miraculous actions that take place, usually with the ministry of touch, the laying on of hands, takes a lot out of Jesus. The, the energy, the spiritual energy of that takes so much out of him. But it says that rising very early before dawn, he leaves and goes off to a deserted place where he prays. Well, the apostles can't let him leave their sight. I mean, they are so thrilled, and I'm sure they have taken on celebrity status at Capernaum for bringing this remarkable miracle worker into their midst. But they go pursuing him, and they say, everyone is looking for you. But he's not into their adulation or, or any kind of follow-up. He's done his work in Capernaum. He will return to Capernaum. It's an ideal place for him to center his ministry, even though he's constantly on the road. But, but uh, the Sea of Tiberias, uh, Lake Genesaret is also called, was the place where the fishermen did their fishing. And it was the only freshwater body in all of Israel. But in any case, Jesus is determined. He's got many, many, many miles and many days of preaching before the authorities cut his efforts short. But he reminds them that it is uh, the purpose that he has come, to preach the word with authority and to heal those who are broken. I couldn't help but notice this particular gospel in conjunction with our first reading. I have a, a, a positive uh, recollection of the character in scriptures, Job. In my uh, last year at the major seminary, we put on a dinner theater production of Neil Simon's uh, a play, God's Favorite, and it was a modern day version of Job. I played Job Benjamin, you get that Job in, in, that, uh, in that name. And, and with all of the ways that he serves the Lord and all of the ways that he's blessed, suddenly everything falls apart for Job. All the things that could possibly go wrong, go wrong. And, and you can pick it up, I think, somewhat in the, uh, in the passage 
that, that we hear uh, from, from Job in the melancholy way that he presents it. He says, is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of a hireling? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. This is a broken man now, Job. He cannot understand how things have turned against him the way they have. If in bed I say, when shall I arise? Then the night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. That's, that's being weighed down by what goes on in our world. And yet, we know that probably more than, uh, than many generations, certainly more than many years, the, the impact of last year's 2020 and the ongoing impact uh, of, the, of the COVID and, and the things that people are having to do without and the struggles they have and making ends meet and handling the education of their children and so many different things. There is a sense of weariness, I think, among people, and understandably so. But I think that's what the, the great uh, blessing of our faith is, the confidence that God's in charge, that God is one that we can turn to for prayer and for consolation and for strength. And so, in a way, it's an ideal companion reading uh, for our two Gospels uh, of Jesus's spectacular debut in Capernaum to realize that, yeah, many, many, many people there were hurting and suddenly was a, a great relief of having someone who could lessen their pain, that could improve their situation. And it's a, a good reminder to us, I think, that uh, even when things get most discouraging, that God is there for us, that uh, he can give us that spiritual lift that we need, that we can trust that what we pray in his name will often be accomplished, always if it is in God's will. So we'll uh, continue to reflect upon that. I'd like to conclude my words here with uh, a special blessing, much more compact than we're used to on the blessing of the throats and St. Blaise Day, but the church has asked that we just do one blessing. We're not going to do the individual candles and all of that, but I'm just going to offer the prayer that we associate with the Feast of St. Blaise and the blessing of the throats. I'm going to extend my hand. You can stay seated, but uh, uh, when it comes to the sign of the cross, you can make that. Through the ministry of St. Blaise, bishop and martyr, may you be free of all diseases of the nose and throat and of every, kind, every other kind of disease. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.